Snap Studios. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Welcome to Snap Judgment. Today we're facing a story from our evil twin podcast, Spooked. Now a weekly show we are so proud. You know, when you're out in the woods at night, right? Sitting around a campfire poking at the coals and folk to tell those scary stories. Well, you know that one person in your group who just has a knack for the best yarns? The kind of storyteller that can make you scream. Make you jump out of your seat, make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Well, snappers, be afraid. We found a master storyteller, Todd Naren. If you're not already around a campfire, you might want to dim the lights and get real close. Snap judgment. Please understand, our next story is terrifying. Sensitive listeners are advised. My old grandfather had a brother named Uncle Frank, and he was mean in everything he did. He was so mean that um, that, no, that nobody around there would hire him or even talk to him or have any business to do with him. Himself, uh, there was a there was a rich moonshiner in the area, and Uncle Frank worked for him. That's the only job he could get. He would either whoop you if he couldn't whoop you with a a knife or a hatchet or something. He'd throw a spell on you and you'd be dead in less than a week. Okay, now Grandma told me the spell went like this, but she wouldn't tell me all of it because she didn't want me or Walker Jr. doing it. She said you had to get a cat, a dead cat. You couldn't go out and kill a cat or anything like that. And you take that cat and you put him in a pot outside, of course, and you boil it until all the meat and the hair and everything's gone. There's nothing but the bones left. You take those bones and you have to take it to a river or a little creek, somewhere where there was running water, and you toss the bones into the running water. And then there's one cat bone and a cat at a float. The other one was a sink in that river, that running water, but the other one was a float, and that's the one you're gonna be needing is that, that floating bone. You take that float bone and you got you a dead man on the way. So, if you get the floating cat bone and take it back to whoever your enemy is or whoever you want to get, you put it under his rug, and when that man stepped out onto that rug, they would step on that cat bone, and the death spell would be all over him. But that's all she would tell us about the spell, because she she knew that Uncle Frank was in us too. His blood was in us. And she didn't want us to turn out like Uncle Frank. One morning, he got up, he, um, slicked back his hair, cussed a little bit, and uh, walked out the back door and stepped on the rug. And he felt a little lump. 
and me and you might not, not worry about what the little lump was, but we just keep going. But Uncle Frank knew what that was. So he he um, picked up the rug, and there it was, a floating cat bone. So somebody had finally gotten Uncle Frank, and he was sure mad about it. So he had had a spell all over him, and he juiced right then, sure enough, that he was dead. But he was going to do everything in his power to make sure he found out who it was that killed him. So, somebody told him about a witch. So that's where Uncle Frank went. And she told him there wasn't nothing that she could do for him. That in less than a week, and probably a couple of days, he'd be dead. She said, but there is one thing that she could do. She said, just as soon as you die, you're probably going to go straight to the hell. You're going to, to see the devil. And you can make a deal with the devil. He would kill the man that killed Uncle Frank. But if you had did this and made a deal with the devil, you would burn hot, twice as hot as the regular center. But Uncle Frank, he figured hot was hot. So who cares about being twice as hot? So he made that deal with the witch and the devil. And then he went back to my grandmama and he told her, he said, just as soon as I die, wait for the next person in the community to die and that'll be the one that killed me. It didn't take me just a few days and he fell dead as a doornail. Just as healthy as he could be. And he was a cousin. And then he just fell dead right in front of the smokehouse. And about 30 minutes after Uncle Frank died, Grandma sat there and she listened. You know, and after a while it come in that the preacher had died. And she was <laughs> she was kind of surprised that it was the preacher. And when they went through his pockets, they found three other floating cat bones. So we don't know how many people he killed, but he sure killed a bunch of sinners. He was planning on killing a lot more sinners with that float with them floating cat bones. All young, they say all the youngins got to get up and put Frank up and put him, brought him back in the house and the living room and washed him and cleaned him up and everything. So, I mean, we didn't do no autopsy or nothing like that back then. We just grabbed him up, cleaned him up, and, and tried to get him ready for burial. And they called the funeral man, but the funeral man said they weren't going to come and work on Uncle Frank. He was just, just too mean. Well, they laid him out in the living room and hoping with somebody, you know, some of his friends or somebody would come by, but Uncle Frank didn't have no friends. So they didn't know what to do with him. They, they called the churchyard and they said, uh, can we bury Frank in the churchyard? And the church people said no because we can't see all the, the lots beside of him. Nobody wants to be beside Uncle Frank. And they, they couldn't find nowhere to put Uncle Frank. So my granddaddy went down to the back of the farm and started digging, but it was red clay. He couldn't get about a foot down in the ground. So they had a neighbor, and we all called her Aunt Ruth, but I don't really know what her real name was. And they went and asked her. She said she could, they could go way down in the bottom in the, in the bottom of the farm, but it just had to be far enough away from her house because she didn't want Frank close to her. So that's what he did. He went way down in the bottom of the farm, of her farm. She dug a hole and buried him. And they, he couldn't afford a stone. So he just got a white azalea bush and put it on top of Uncle Frank. Aunt Ruth, yeah, we went to her house quite often, me and my brother. Um, she was a real, real, real old by the time me and Walker Jr. came along. 
but she always had sugar cookies and, and cola and everything. Anything we wanted to do, she would she would do it. She was one of the sweetest persons I'd ever known. One weekend, I was just too sick. I was down in the throat, couldn't hardly swallow. And it was our weekend to go to our grandma and granddaddy's. Well, Walker Jr. knew that he'd be kind of bored with nobody his age to play with. Walker Jr.'s my brother, so he carried his best friend, Ben O'Neill, down there to play. So Walker Jr. and Ben O'Neill were looking around, trying to find something to do. So back in the 70s, there wasn't much to do. I mean, even if you looked TV, you had to watch what the grown folks watched, and that wasn't no fun. They found some fishing poles. Well, they went and they knocked on Aunt Rue's door. They asked, could they go fishing? And she said, of course they could. Did they have any worms? And they said, no. She said, well, go down there by the tobacco field, dig up some worms. They ended up going a little bit farther than they should. They started digging worms right up under a white azalea bush. But this is about 40 years later after Uncle Frank had died. And sure enough, they had hit something. And they looked real hard at it, and it was a skull. And it was worms, great big worms, just crawling everywhere, in and out of the holes of his eyes and his nose and everywhere else. So they thought they hit the jackpot. They were just scared of the skull. Ben O'Neill took the skull, and he took it out of the hole, and he started chasing my brother. Ain't like he was going to bite his ear off or something. Because Walker Jr. wouldn't touch no skull or nothing like that. Finally, Walker Jr. told him to take it back, but Ben O'Neill was a little bit lazy, so he just put it down beside his stump and kept going. But anyway, they went fishing. And them worms were something tough because every time they tried to put them on the hook, he could swear they would grunt. And um, they would throw the worms into the pond with the hook and the cane pole. And it seemed like every fish in the pond would go to the other side of the pond. So there wasn't much fish caught that day. And uh, they, they walked back to Granddaddy's house. And they didn't tell nobody nothing about finding that skull. So... They thought, well, what else can we do fun now? So they said, let's spend a night in the um, smokehouse camping out. So they camped. They got the quilts and the, the Coca-Colas and all the candies they could get or Grandma would give them. They went out and they laid out in the um, smokehouse. They played in and laughing and stuff. And it got kind of late, so they started laying down to um, go to sleep. When they did, something started crawling on the toes and went up to the ankles and went up to the legs and just went all over They started itching all over. And we didn't know if they had the chiggers or what was wrong, but they went busting through Grandma's bedroom door, saying that something was eating them up. And what they did, she said, what'd y'all get into? You know, like she didn't know if they got in something they were allergic to or something. So they finally told her about the skull. Well, she knew exactly who the skull was. So she said, she put on her clothes and she said, take me to the skull. So that's what they did in the middle of the night. They walked down there with a, with a flashlight and they found a skull beside a stump. Ben O'Neill picked it up and they told her to go put it back in the hole. When they did, they put it back in the hole. The worms just come from everywhere and crawled all over that skull. But the itching went away. Just went away. Like somebody put a salve or something on me. It just, it just kind of disappeared. When they put that skull back where it was supposed to be, and they walked home that night. They said nobody said a word. But they just come home and telling me uh, they'd found a skull. I said, no, you're lying. There ain't no way in the world. He said, I did. I was real jealous. Well, I, well actually, I wanted to see the skull. But he never would take me back there. But, yeah, I'm kind of glad I wasn't there. Because uh, Walker Jr. and Ben O'Neill 
were two good little boys. They were real good. They didn't do no harm to nobody. But when they got when they dug up that skull of Uncle Frank, them boys seemed like they changed. My brother got a a little wilder, doing things he wasn't supposed to. My brother was in a another town, a town he shouldn't have been in, and the cops saw him. Well, the cops got behind him, and Walker choice Walker Jr. made a bad choice and decided to run, and they were running him down, and he overcorrected in a curve and. It flipped him out of the car, and it, it, it flipped on top of him and killed him. I was 13. He was 19. Ben O'Neill, I thought the world of him. Everybody did. He was a sweet boy, but after that, uh, after he touched that skull, he he took his own way because uh, Ben O'Neill turned out to be a little uh, meaner than Uncle Frank, really. He joined up with a, a motorcycle gang. It was a club, motorcycle club, to get that right. I mean, all motorcycle clubs ain't bad, but this particular club was bad. And um, after he'd been there a while, he, he just got to be too bad. And I guess that he got so bad that the rest of them got scared. And two of them held him down and they cut his head off. And they put it somewhere out in the woods. So we don't know where his head is. We know where his body is, but we don't know where his head is. It's somewhere in Johnson County. I hope it ain't Uncle Frank that did all that to my brother and and to Ben, but I don't, I don't, you know, I can't say he didn't. I guess you could say I was kind of blessed that I had a sore throat that day, that weekend, because I didn't get to see what they saw. Um, if I had of, maybe Uncle Frank would have jumped jumped on me. There's no telling I'd even be here right now talking to you. You never know about evil. It's just got a way of following you around once you, once you get into it. And uh, sometimes you just can't shake evil. We want to thank Todd Naren for sharing his stories with us. Thank you for giving us the heebie-jeebies, Todd. If you want more stories from Todd Naren, not to worry because he's got a book, Country Stories of Ghosts and Bad Men, more on our website, snapjudgment.org. The original score for this piece was by Renzo Gorio. It was produced by Anna Sussman. For Mark Ristich, he smells dinner. There's Davy Kim, Zoe Frigno, Ann Ford, Eric Gagnez, Teo Ducat, Marissa Dodge, Leon Morimoto, Miles Lassie, Yari Bundy, Doug Stewart, Fernando Hernandez, Lauren Newsom, Eliza Smith, Anna Sussman, and Renzo Gorio. The spook theme song is by Pat Masidi Miller. 
My name's from Washington. And you may have heard that this is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, you could work the late shift one night at the radio station and receive call after call from various people describing in exquisite detail each and every aspect of your childhood bedroom lost in the house fire those many years ago. And when you finally call the switchboard to complain, they could tell you that they're not sure what you mean because there have not been any phone calls forwarded to this number and you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is PR. Thanks.